says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit and make holiness perfect in the fear of God. Peace be with you, the reader. of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and cried, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. good tidings and to all the people. So I have to uh, I have to share with you something. All week long, probably because of what I talked about last week in Theology 101, I was thinking about the Canaanite woman. <clears throat> And uh, had in my mind what I was going to preach about, uh, persistence in prayer and unceasing prayer and how powerful that is in our lives. And uh, got up this morning thinking that that's exactly what I was going to do and had all my notes ready. And my wife woke up and she said, it's Valentine's Day, you're preaching on love and marriage, right? (laughs) 
goes, what an opportunity. And I said, no, I'm preaching on prayer. And she didn't get upset at me, but she got upset. She said, look what's going on in our society. You need to talk about marriage. And uh, so we discussed this back and forth in the car. (laughs) I don't ever drive with her to church. (laughs) Poor Anthony. I said, well, maybe I could talk about it at Theology 101. And uh, I said, I could do that. After all, you know, what's really missing is that love is self-sacrificial. And then I thought to myself when I got to church, you're not being very self-sacrificial. So guess what? We're going to talk about prayer at Theology 101, and we're going to talk about marriage right now and love. Because I really need to be self-sacrificial. So, it is Valentine's Day, and everybody's thinking about love in one way or another, and that's a good thing. But we want to think about love in a way where we get it right. And that's not easy to do in our society because love is distorted so often. And yet we as Orthodox Christians, we're in the midst of the absolute greatest love story that has ever been told. And it isn't over yet. We're right in the middle of it. And the greatest lover happens to be God. And we happen to be His beloved. So if you were to write the most romantic, heroic, self-sacrificial love story that you could ever imagine that would bring you to tears, young and old, male and female alike, and you could say, I would love to be a part of that and be the object of that kind of love, Who wouldn't want that kind of lover to be my lover? This is exactly what we're in the midst of. You get your wish. Think about the fact that the scriptures say that Christ is the bridegroom and that all of mankind is his bride. It's it's who he wants to be united with as his bride. And the Bible tells us that he created this bride because he loves them, because he loves us. And he sacrifices so much that he empties himself. And he takes on the form of the created, of the servant, of the sick, of the one that is most in need of love. And yet, if we also look at the Bible, it says that the one who needs the love the most is the most unlovable. When we were yet sinners, Jesus emptied himself, sacrificed everything, leaving, in a sense, His throne of divinity 
His place in the heavens and taking on the form of a servant so that He could die, so that He could suffer, so that He could thirst, so that He could hunger, so that He could manifest and prove and show in every way what it means to love. So if we think that we're great and that we're beautiful and that we're good and all of those things, the Bible says when we were the least lovable, then Christ comes and He proves that His love is not self-centered at all. It is totally for the good of the other. God shows that love does not seek its own ever. But it is always outpouring. Always focused on the good of the other. Always life-giving. Always pouring itself out continually. So that those who are greatest in need of it can receive it. In St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he makes it clear what love is. I won't read the whole thing, but I'll repeat what I've said already, that love does not seek its own. It hopes all things. It bears all things. It believes all things. It never, ever fails. Meaning, it doesn't end. So we might ask the question, especially those of us who are younger, we would say the question should be, well, if love never ends, if it never fails, then why do we see so many marriages failing? Why do we see so many relationships failing? Why do we see so much strife and contention and division among human beings who are supposed to be made in God's image and are supposed to be like Him? What is going wrong that love is failing so much? And the answer would be simply that where self-centeredness and selfishness and self-worship and distorted self-love exists, love becomes weak. Become, there becomes a disconnect between us and God, us and ourselves, and therefore us and one another. When I put myself first, and I put the other second, when I put myself first and I put God second, then there is a break, a disconnection between me and the source of love. And my love becomes pitiful. It becomes distorted. It becomes weakened and damaged. And it cannot last. It cannot stand up. When things become bigger in my life, then God, then division, and strife, and contention, and war, and divorce, and disconnection take place. I want to read to you 
some from the epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians. The fifth chapter, which is the epistle that we read during the marriage service. And it starts out with saying, Submit to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, not as to you. Wives, don't submit to your husband in a way that makes you feel good. It says, husbands, submit to your wives as to the Lord, as to Christ. When I see my wife, I am supposed to see Christ. When my wife sees me, she is supposed to see Christ. And then it says, wives, love your husbands as to the Lord. You are the bride of Christ, and you are to love Christ. And your husband is supposed to be in the image of Christ. And then it says to husbands, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church, who gave himself up for her, who on the day of judgment is supposed to be presenting her before the judgment seat without spot or wrinkle or stain. That white dress that your wife wore on her wedding day, you are responsible by the way that you treat her, by the way that you imitate Christ in your home, in your marriage, in your relationship. You're responsible to make sure that you present her stainless, spotless, without wrinkle before God. You are her caretaker, her defender. You are to give your life for her, as Christ gave His life for the church. And in so doing, you receive life. You draw near to Christ. You are working out your salvation because this is your major arena. Now this is not the kind of love that the world is offering. It's not the kind of love it's witnessing and manifesting. It's not what's advertised. It's not necessarily what's in the movies or on the TV or in songs. But this is the kind of love that does not fail. It hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. And in the epistle, after the Apostle Paul gets done explaining what marriage is that we know about, the sacrament of marriage, he says, and I'm going to tell you a great mystery, that all of this is supposed to help you understand the big mystery, which is Christ and the church. You cannot understand my relationship, if I'm Christ, with the church unless you are working out properly in your marriage this holy mystery of love in a proper way. And some of you are not married. Some of you may never be married. Some of you were married and out of weakness, whatever happened, it failed. But let me tell you something very important. No marriage can survive unless all of us 
are in support of that marriage. When you get married, you don't just invite the married to come and witness it and say, hey, we're kind of a club now, let's support each other. You invite everybody because you need everybody to support the holy mystery of marriage. And why? Because of all things that form the building block of our society, the devil puts as his number one enemy marriage and family. Because it's the very foundation. It's the foundation of the church. It's the foundation of the neighborhood. It's the foundation of society. It's the foundation of every single enterprise. Every single institution that we have as human beings. And so if we can crumble it and erode it and weaken it and redefine it, then we can erode and crumble and weaken and destroy society and have a hugely negative effect on the church. So my dear brothers and sisters, I could go on and on and on, but without doing that, to bore you, when we talk about love, and it's a good thing to take a day and set it apart and focus on it, let's make sure that we're getting it right. Love is not about me. Love is always about the other. It is never self-serving. It is always self-sacrificial. You cannot win in love by coming in first place. You always win in love by making sure that you are last and everyone else is first. We need to get this. We need to get it right. We want to be winners in love because when we are, then we are winners forever. Not just in this life, but we will run the race in such a way that we finish first because the last shall be first, the humble shall be exalted, the least shall be deemed the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And that's because... This is what love does. Love gives life, it transforms, and it is godly. And we desperately need it. So today, as you leave the church and you focus on love and on your sweetheart and on those around you, let's make sure that we we get it right. That we have godly love burning in our hearts. And that we, no matter what state we're in, we support marriage. And if we're married... We fight in the point of shedding blood for our marriage by being willing to self-sacrifice and to die for ourselves so that our spouse may live. May this be true. May husbands present their wives before the judgment seat of Christ without spot, wrinkle, or stain. And may you wives imitate the church, the saints, in their love for Christ the bridegroom. Amen. One more thing I wanted to say, and that is that we have a very, very, very powerful marriage counselor and speaker coming, Dr. Deacon Stephen Muse. This is a retreat for our parish, and right now we have probably 90% of the people registered for the retreat from outside our parish. 
I think we're usually late in our registration, so I'm not going to assume the worst. But if you want to have love in your life, and you want your marriage to be strong, and you want to defeat the devil, and you want to raise up your your light on a lampstand, you need to be registering for this retreat, and you need to be participating in this, and getting the wisdom and the truth that Deacon Stephen Muse has to offer us. And this will show that you are willing to sacrifice for one another and to build up your marriage in Christ. Now I'm done.